0: heavenly father we want to thank you lord this day for bringing us before thy court in worship that we may have a season of praise and prayer father in heaven we pray lord that you will congregate with us today that we will feel an impact of the holy spirit in our midst and that lord departing from here will be much better than when we came in and will be much even better ready for the kingdom in jesus name we have prayed amen Amen.
1: I will magnify the Lord for he is worthy to be praised. I will magnify the Lord for he is worthy to be praised. Hosanna, blessed be the rock, let the rock of my salvation be exalted, Hosanna. Up. Blessed be the rock, let the rock of my salvation be exalted, sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus, how wonderful you are! You are brighter than the morning star, you are fairer, much fairer than the lily that grows by the way. You are precious, more precious than gold, sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus. How wonderful you are, you are brighter than the morning star, you are fairer, much fairer than the lily that grows by the way, you are precious, more precious than gold, do something new in my life, something new in my life, something new in my life, oh Lord, do something new in my life. Something new in my life, something new in my life. Oh, Lord, do something new in my life, something wonderful in my life,
0: something wonderful in
1: my life. Oh, Lord, do something wonderful in my life, something excellent in my life, something wonderful in my life. Oh, Lord, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me my very soul shall shout hallelujah Praise God for saving me when I think, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, of Jesus, and all he has done in my life. My very soul shall shout hallelujah. Praise God for saving me when I think, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, of Jesus. Jesus, and all he has done in my life, my very soul shall shout hallelujah, praise God for saving me, that is why you are called Jehovah. That is why you are called Jehovah. What you say you will do, that is what you will do. That is why you are called Jehovah. That is why, that is why you are called Jehovah. Jehovah, what you say you will do, that is what you will do, that is why you are called Jehovah.
0: Father in heaven, we just thank you Lord for this day, for bringing us together in worship. By the miracle of technology. The devil could not separate us, even when the virus did. Father in heaven, with all the social distancing in the world, we thank you that there is no spiritual distancing. And we bless you today that we are in communion with you and fellowship with each other. Plant your seed, the seed of your word in us, and let it germinate unto eternal life in Jesus. Amen. Look at us.com. Look at us. Sometimes we think that an invitation to look is actually nothing but vanity, self glorification. Because uh, everything about Christianity, anything about everything about what we have learned in scriptures it's like we should not draw attention to ourselves. And so the topic may be a little bit deceptive because sometimes I have wondered in the past as a young person growing up, when Peter said, look at us, what exactly was he expecting the layman to see? I would like to praise the Lord for the privilege that you have given me here in this church to worship and to share a thought of inspiration out of the many that the Lord brings my way day by day as a minister of the word. As I looked on the screen and I saw the, the different faces and the different names, I asked myself if actually. Atlanta Church, the, the Naka is not my home church because I saw everybody. There's hardly any new names, maybe a few that I didn't know. It's actually one of my grandchildren that actually also read the scripture reading, and I just, the Ikone family uh, are just one family with me. I am a citizen of uh, Owa here for by choice. And I praise the Lord for that family because Professor Chiemela is my brother from another mother. And there are so many of you that I just see there. I want to appreciate uh, Elder Daramola for actually making the connect. He was one that pursued and chased me down until he found out exactly where I was. Uh, I came to to California, as we normally do, my wife and I, from time to time, uh, just for a month. Uh, And then the month became two months and three months and four months, you know, courtesy of uh, COVID-19. But we're thankful because God has every little, the minutest plan that we have. God has already planned it out from eternity. I saw the Jews as well. In fact, too many defaulis. I'm excited to see you all in church. And God bless you. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. The problem was that what Peter had was nothing. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The question is when people look at me, what exactly are they expecting? When people look at me, what do they see? When people look at me, what do I project? Especially in church and church now, it's not just a building. when we talk about church, we're talking about you and I, we are the church. So when you go out, people actually see the church. When I go out, people see the church. They don't see me. When they see me as church, who do they see? Do they see the scribes, the priests, and the Pharisees? Do they see the publican traitor that has connived with the Roman to undermine the Jewish nation? Do they see the temple trader who is there just for commercial benefits? Or do they see Jesus? You know, the full story talks about the man who was lame from his mother's womb. But I'm sure you have had different variants, varieties and versions of this sermon. But just bear with me a few moments while we explore what the Holy Spirit has for you during these COVID times. Lame from his mother's womb, whom they carried and laid daily at the temple gate, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. This man went to church. The Bible says, Daily. They laid him there daily. And of course, even on the Sabbath day, I'm sure he was there earlier than usual because even those who went to their work on every day would come to church when? On the Sabbath day. So, which means this man was actually at work. That was his work. He was at work seven days a week simply because his workplace was in the church did not mean he went to worship he went to church daily but not to worship he went to work and today it's so sad and i asked myself as a minister one of the greatest decisions that i've had to take in life was just to say yes to the call to ministry i tried to run away as far as i could as many times as I could, as seriously as I could. Because my father, being a minister, I recognized very early in life that a call into the ministry was not a picnic. A call into the ministry was not a club. The way my father did ministry, I knew right on that it was actually a very heavy burden, which I was not prepared at the time to carry. But my father, when I came back from the U.S., from Andrews, came back in 1980, and he learned that I had been called to serve in the West Nigeria mission, and that I was going into the ministry, he looked at me and shook his head and smiled. I was wondering what was going on in his head. Finally, he said, welcome back home, Mr. Jonah. Ah, Well, I wouldn't say he was wrong, although I didn't go by submarine like Jonah did. I went by air. But the point was, I tried to flee away as far as I could. Today, Virtually everybody in Nigeria is a minister. Is a pastor. If you failed in everything else, open a church. Get some people together, or go into the ministry. Go to Asua and get yourself a place. And that's why you see so many, so much acrimony. You see so so much confusion, so much conflict in ministry in the church today because we have a lot of unsanctified people who parade, pretend, and postulate a call into the ministry. This man went to church every day according to this Bible. But he always stayed at the gate. The gate was called beautiful, but remember, it was still what? The gate. The gate was a gate of the temple, but remember, it was still where? The gate. Everybody would see him there every day in church, but he was actually not in church. He was at the church gate. Where are you when you come to church? As a young man, I didn't really know exactly, I mean, born by, by Adventist parents, I said I was born into the Adventist church. Nobody's actually ever born into the church. You could be born by Adventist parents, people who believed. But I really didn't have a personal relationship with God. I went to church, you know, we even formed singing groups. We we had we, we did all the things that everybody did. We said sometimes most of the times the correct things, the right things to say. But I still didn't belong to church. This man went to church every day and he stayed at the gate of the church asking for arms. My question is if today the Seventh day Adventist Church decided that there was not going to be any payment, any salaries in the pastoral ministry, how many of us will still remain? If you didn't have a position in the church, in the choir, as an elder, as a deacon, as something, how many of us actually go to war because of positions and responsibilities, social status and class inside the church? He went to church every day, but he was at the gate. The gate was beautiful, but it was still, nonetheless, a gate. People went in, and he saw them every day. They went in East to there like a travel agent who would book you on a flight from Lagos to Atlanta. And he would tell you everything about the flight. How many hours? What you do when you get to the airport? But he himself had actually never traveled Outside of Mutala Muhammad Airport to Abuja. He had never been out, but he could tell you everything. This man could tell you what went on in the church, what time the services began, what time the services, who would sing next, who would do what. But he had never had any business inside the church as a worshiper. Let's move on a little bit. But today, Something was different. Everybody was going in. I don't know. I'm sure that Peter and John and the other disciples must have seen him there every day. Because they went to church every day when they were around. It was, the, it was a good thing, the in thing to do. I'm sure Jesus himself must have passed by that gate so many times when he went inside the temple during his earthly ministry. But this man was at the gate Jesus passed by and he didn't know that the solution to his problem was actually passing by. He thought his problem was lameness and he didn't know that his problem was actually faithlessness. He didn't know that his problem was actually spiritual barrenness. Sometimes we don't even know what our problem really, our real problem is in life. We think it's somebody, you call it at work. It's a family member. It's this person, it's that person. We are looking at the, uh, how do the medical people call it? You are are looking at uh, the, the symptoms. You don't actually know the cause of the problem. This man went to church every day. And he still stayed inside the church with his problem. And the solutions were passing by. Jesus was in his earthly ministry for three and a half years. Jesus had been going to the temple teaching professors from the time he was 12. This man sat there in the temple gate. How many years have you been baptized as a Seventh-day Adventist church member? How many years have you been an elder, a deacon? How many years have you actually been there occupying a position? I'm sure that because that man has his seat reserved, everybody knew that this layman, man, this is his place. Nobody else took that place. Nobody else took that position. It had been reserved for him. And he stayed there every day as people went in to get blessings and came out to prosper outside. He sat there at the gate simply because the gate was called beautiful. Simply because it was the gate of the temple. Simply because he would see most of the important people that would go in. They knew him. He knew them. Oh, Baba, how are you? Thank you for yesterday, sir. And that was what he thought the whole content and extent of his life contained. Oh, brothers and sisters, we have such a very terribly limited vision of what God has in store for us. And we just think simply by going to church, by being in church, that is it we we'll look down on those i can imagine that this man would be looking down at other cripples who begged by the roadside and he forgot that a beggar whether in church or out of church a beggar is what remains a beggar a cripple whether in church or out of church a cripple remains a cripple An Adventist thief and a non-Adventist thief, their first profession, first profession. their first confession, first confession. Is stealing as thieves. And by the way, is there really an Adventist thief? Is there an Adventist adulterer? Is there an Adventist murderer? Is there an Adventist fraudster? Is there an Adventist... Whatever you think you are, a cripple remains a cripple. This man sat there day by day, day in, day out. I don't know how old he was, and the Bible doesn't tell that story. But that particular day he saw Peter and John, and he did see them before. Maybe they have been giving him money before. And they will throw him a few loose coins and say, Ranka dede Ah, thank you, sir. Daddy, God bless you. But this day they looked at him. This day something changed. Instead of having their hands coming from their pocket, the process to which he had become accustomed over the years. Sometimes I guess that he may even have become an expert in knowing how much was coming, going by how deep their hands went into their pocket. He knew who would give him more. He knew who would give him less. The fact that Peter and John that particular day told him that silver and gold they did not have meant either they had been giving him silver or gold on previous days. And today, they were broke. And thank God that his helper was broke on that day. They didn't have anything on them. Because if they had anything, something on them, they would have given him the usual loose coin, and they would have gone in. He would still have remained there at the temple gate. But the very day, that God would visit him, Peter and John were broke. They had nothing. Peter would look at John and say, John, what do you have there? That guy is there. Maybe they saw him from the distance. Peter, John, I mean, what, what do you have here? No, I, I'm sorry, I left my, I left my wallet. Oh, I, they looked and they didn't have anything. And at the point when they didn't have anything, suddenly it occurred to them, wait a minute, why should this guy sit here begging when he could be out there walking? When he could be out there helping somebody else? I mean, wait a minute, this this just doesn't click. We have seen this guy here so many times before we became disciples of Jesus. We saw him here When we went into the temple with Jesus, and each time he would beg, and they confirmed, they made him happy by giving him what he expected from them. But this particular day, they were broke. Because I don't expect that Peter and John were lying when they said they had nothing. They were not. There was no reason for them to lie. that day by providential circumstances they were broke and that was the day that this man received the best gift of life have you ever been disappointed in life some of my greatest blessings came from my greatest disappointments actually greatest blessings, greatest disappointment. I remember after struggling so hard during the civil war in Lebanon as the valedictorian of the graduating class, I was was the president of the graduating class and I was supposed to give the speech that would respond to you know the guest speaker will speak and then you stand up there and then you speak but my name had been removed from the list of graduates. My, my certificate, my name was still on the list, okay, because I, made, I, I met all the requirements. But because I was owing the university, they had taken my diploma away from the pile that they were handing out on that day because I would not be allowed to match. I was not given the gown, uh, the motorboard and everything else. Graduation was on Sunday. On Friday night, I've been told I was not going to graduate because I was owing, and I was so sad. I went in to the woods in Beirut, Bushriye. That's where the Kulirashak the, Laosak is. It's not called Middle East University. I went into the wood on that Friday evening when everybody else, you know, they would march on Friday for the consecration service, the baccalaureate service, and then the the commencement. On Friday evening, as all of them were going, I went into the woods and I cried my heart out, my eyes completely bulged out of their sockets. I was in there, I don't know for how long, because time actually came to a halt. I cried and cried all the way from Nigeria through all the civil war, the rockets and the bombs and the blast in Lebanon. I had survived everything and now just at the point of graduation, I was not going to have my diploma because I was owing and my father didn't have the means to send me any money. He was a pastor. And you know how much pastors earned in those days? He was not a PhD, he was not a professor. And after crying myself out and I saw it was getting a little bit uh chilly and it was the sun had gone down, it was going to sunset, I wanted sunset so that I waited for sunset so I could sneak secretly back into the hotel and nobody would see me and be asking me, "James, where were you uh, what happened? We didn't see you. I didn't want any of those questions uncomfortable questions, and I would tell them I was owing. I just wanted to disappear. I even was praying that the ground would just open up and swallow me and I would cease to exist. But as I came out of the woods and I was trying to sneak past the building, the grounds where the, the ceremonial grounds where the graduation was going to hold, I ran into a man. His name was Charles. Charles D. Watson. Guess who that was? Elder Watson was the the president of the Afro-Middle East Division at the time. And he was the chairman of the board of Middle East University, Middle East College at the time. And it's a man, I mean, elderly man, very kind, bright eyes bald forehead and he looked at me hey James how you doing I said fine sir I looked at me and he said hmm James this your fine is too fine to be fine oh sir are you sure you're fine yes I'm fine okay I'm fine sir James I think you need to make this your fine a little bit better this is too good to be good, to be true. What is the problem? I have no problem, sir. He looked at me in the eye, put his, his hand on my shoulder, and said, son, what is the problem? I wanted to deny and say, no problem, again, because I was too ashamed. And I burst out weeping. I didn't know. I couldn't help myself. And then he looked, and I said, wait a minute. That's Aren't you supposed to be graduating? And I said, uh, 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 Well, really, I mean, you know. Uh, uh, said, What happened? Then I told him I was owing, and therefore I could not graduate. He said, Really? I said, Because the school, the offices are closed on that Friday. He said, Meet me um, on. Sunday morning, first thing in the morning. And Sunday morning, I went to meet him. The business office was there. The business manager was there receiving payment from everybody else, just in case anybody who had the money to settle before graduation. And he took me by the hand and took me inside the office to see the business manager and the college president. And he said, Hey, uh, Mr, the business manager, his name was Josh Kuri. Hey, George, uh, where is this uh, man's diploma? Have you gotten his... Uh, he said, no, 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 he's not. We didn't have it in because he's still... owing. Oh, and everybody knew me on campus. You know, I was president of this, president of that. I was uh, the happening guy on campus. Because, you know, you have to cover up your sadness... And insecurity with so many external activities. And he said, he said a prophetic word that I have never heard since. And I don't know, definitely it was the Holy Spirit. He said, do you know, are you not aware? Don't you know that this young man here is going to be one of the most effective Impactful leaders that the church would ever have in Africa and in the world. This young man is going to do great things for God, and because of money, he's not good. He Say, Well, sir, that was the, the, the rule that the board made. And he said, I chair the board, put his debt on my account. Hurriedly, they had to go and count one, two, three, four, whatever it is, and they smuggled my diploma to the right place where it was, a few minutes before the procession began. They handed me my graduation robe, and I couldn't even go to change whatever I had underneath because I didn't know I was graduating. So I didn't have all the fine, whatever. I threw the robe over what I had, put on the motorboard and got on the queue just in time. Dear friends, I don't remember the speech I made that day as in response to whatever the graduation speaker said. I don't remember a word of it. All I remember was that after the speech, for the next five or seven minutes, the whole field, the whole audience congregation rose up in atlas, and I was so humbled that I knew that was an intervention. So when the opportunity came to serve and to build an institution, most people did not know that the root had been planted years before on that hillside on the mountainside of Beirut in Lebanon by somebody who by the time I was talking was probably dead because he was already an old man at the time, in the 70s when I graduated. From my disappointment going into the woods, I came out and it became my greatest appointment. And because of that singular success, Because I graduated and they gave me my diploma, I have been able to go on to get a master's degree and another master's degree and a third master's degree. I've been able to go for a PhD. I've been able to become everything and anything that God has made me simply because one man intervened who did not have to do it. He intervened. That informs exactly my attitude to ministry my attitude to the young people when I was at Babcock or wherever I was, else I was at the University of FIFA before I went to Babcock. You always want to make sure that when you meet a man, give them not just what they expect, what I expected was sympathy. The man would say, oh, I'm sorry. I will, oh, I wish there could have something I, will, I, 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 I would have been able to do to help you. You need to make an impact. The man went beyond my greatest expectation. Number one, he took me by the hand to where the difference be made, where the impact be made. Number two, he issued, he made a declaration, a prophetic declaration that has followed me all the days of my life to this point. Dear friends, you see somebody in church, don't just assume that they are right. Even when I, he asked me, and I said, oh, I'm okay. Oh, I said, oh, this okay is too okay to be okay. Next time, you see somebody who is not looking right, I just, just as a greeting say, hey, how are you doing? I says, fine. Check out, are they really fine? I'm sure this man who was lame from his mother's womb, everybody would say, hey, so how are you doing, Mr. Cripple, today? Oh, I'm fine. How can you be fine when you're not fine? You were sitting at a gate called Beautiful when you were, your situation was actually ugly. You were sitting at a gate named after Solomon, the richest man on earth, the richest king, when you were actually the poorest of the poor on earth. Everybody was walking back into the temple while you sat at the gate. The only thing you heard was the clink of coins dropping condescendingly into your plate a number of facts and we'll round up today but i want us to change our dynamics as a church as we interact together because so many people in your church in my church are actually sitting at the gate called beautiful while their situation is actually very ugly. They are seeing people in the midst of plenty while they are perishing in a penury that has no definition. They have to be carried. His, his lameness was so bad, he could not even crawl like some, like some some crippled people do. He had to be hand-carried. And can you guess what? When you hear that somebody was hand-carried into the temple daily, I am suspecting that that was not just by relations who loved him. I am suspecting that this man was actually an agent. You remember the... The the, the the slave girl in Acts 16.16 16, that was owned by some people, the slave girl with a spirit of uh, divination that Paul healed and it became a conflict between Paul and the owners. Because by healing that girl and chasing away the demonic spirit of divination, he had deprived them of their daily bread. The prophet, the Bible said they made great profit from the girl, when the girl will be uh, divining and foretelling for people. I am suspecting that like that young girl, this layman man was being carried there faithfully every morning because he had to give a slice. He was possibly just an agent, a slave of those who were carrying him there. They were making, they were profiting off his back. Profiting of his misfortune because we were very faithful, doing it every day. Carrying him and setting him there and bringing him back. Are there people who are profiting from your misfortune? And you think they are actually doing you a favor? From your disappointment, God wants to give you great expectations today. When he said look at us, when Peter said look at us, he was actually expecting money. And rather than money, I mean, you know, when this guy did not need a sermon. If he needed a sermon, he would be they would carry him inside the temple. He did not need a sermon, he needed money. So Peter said, Look at us, and beginning to talk. His expectation must have dropped and crumbled. The more he looked, the less he saw. Great, Your greatest disappointment may be a prelude to your divine visitation and appointment. Because your greatest historical accomplishments in life may actually be a stumbling block to your lifetime achievement. Success at begging is not an achievement. My dear friends, you need to get up like that lame man and leap and walk and dance even in the church, even when some people are not happy. The fact that he failed to see help that he needed did not stop the apostles from giving the help. Don't wait until somebody comes to ask you, why don't you do what God has laid on your mind for people Some people may not be in the position to ask. Some people may be too timid or ashamed to ask you. Some people may not even know what they needed. I knew what I needed, but I had no solution to the problem. The man probed until he got what I needed and became an answer. I never met him again. That man, I never met him again, but I'm sure that I will see him in the kingdom because he was actually a a personification of Jesus Christ that spoke a prophetic word into my life. He did not just sympathize with me. He empathized, and then he brought me to the point of achievement. That you have failed several times before does not mean that you have to continue failing. This man had been at the temple gate during the time of Jesus. He had missed several opportunities, but the day, When God will come to his help, the apostles were broke. I pray for you today, my dear friends, that whoever will bring you your lifetime achievements, that God will make them broke so that they will not be able to give you the historical gifts and that you'll be able to reach your goal in life, your mission in life that you did not even know. God's plan for you is better than your best plan for yourself. Jeremiah 29:11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good, not for evil. Even during this COVID-19 times, loss of job, loss of opportunity, loss of health, loss of family and friends, loss of position and situation, it does not matter whatever you have as a situation crippling your current situation crippling your existence, God is going to use you and going to use others to achieve for you what you never knew could be achieved for yourself. Look at us. That was the word. When people look at you, what do they see? Peter and John did not claim the credit for themselves. When the, young, when the young man was healed and he jumped up, he leapt up, he began to dance in the church. I know that, you know, as a very conservative church, sometimes we are embarrassed when we see people who are dancing and everything. Why don't you just keep your, your business to yourself? Keep your judgment to yourself. You don't know what they have been through. The priest had never been lame. The Pharisees had never been lame. The Sadducees had never been lame. This guy was experiencing something he had never experienced before. And he was jumping and dancing in the church. And I'm sure some of those guys might be looking. Look, what? what? Wait a minute. This guy is desecrating the temple. How dare he? I was in in a church service somewhere. You know, at, at the beginning... You know when we had a lot of students coming in to Babcock, only 20% of the of the students were Adventists. The Adventists did not have enough confidence at that time. I mean Babcock has become popular now, and everybody wants to. Oh yeah, everybody wants to come to work there. Everybody wants to come to study. At that time, it was Aswa. Aswa had no recognition, and when we transitioned from Aswa to Babcock. It was at the lowest point when we had only 219 students left and Adventists would rather send their children to go and do job on the Sabbath than to come there because they were not quite sure what the recognition was. Was this a joke, private university or something? So Seventh-day Adventists were only 20% or 21% of the students that started work in 1999. 80% or 79%, were non-Adventist kids. And when those kids came, they came with their plurality of religious backgrounds and everything. And one day in church, uh, when uh, some, one of them says, praise the Lord, hallelujah, one of my dear, very faithful Adventist brothers jumped up and said, we don't praise God in this place. And I was shocked. He said it so just by reflex. We don't praise God in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Thank God for the story of the children. Pray, P-R-A-Y, praise, repentance, ask, and then yield. It is not your church. It is not my church. It is the church of Jesus. And I'm suspecting that if Jesus Christ will come into some of our churches today, he probably will be left out and told he cannot attend because he cannot conform to some of the things that we have built up, like the Pharisees, traditions, and all kinds of things. Jesus said, All these things you can do without neglecting those others which are essential. Today, what is your situation? What's your position? God says he knows the plans, even when you don't know. Maybe you have missed so many opportunities in the past. This young man had missed many opportunities. Even until Jesus went to the cross, he did not ask for help. By the time he got help, he was not even asking for help to be healed. He was not asking for healing. He was just asking for pittance. And that day, because the apostles were broke the Holy Spirit broke the yoke in this life. Anybody that is, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you right now, all those who want to help you by giving you pittances in your life today, God will make them broke so that they can come to you with actually the opportunities of a lifetime in the name of Jesus. I pray for you that all those situations that are tying you down, COVID or no COVID, immigrant status or no immigrant status, we have problems in the immigrant community, of which I am a part, which we never experienced before. Families are breaking up. Husbands and wives, people are... Wait a minute, just on the point of reflection. Why? Simply because now we have new opportunities. Those opportunities are becoming the pitfalls that are getting us down. No, 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 I'm I'm not a slave. you think i'm stupid i cannot do this we wake up in the morning and who makes up the bed becomes a problem because i am the husband she needs to make up the bed oh i'm cooking if you slept alone on your bed would you not make it up when you sleep when you wake up in the morning then you'd be a pig if you act alone would you not clean the dishes You are not going to help your parents because other children are not successful and they are not helping, they are not contributing, they are not doing anything. If your parents had only you, would they say that they had no children? We need to get out to allow, the Holy Spirit actually is letting us face some situations, not as uh, a persecution, but actually as an incitement for us to think all over again and to be able to get out from the gate, as beautiful as that gate may be to get inside the church where we can pray and praise the Lord with others. I pray for you that every restraining circumstance in your life that is keeping you at the gate will be broken. It does not matter by what. No matter how beautiful the gate that you are in now, the gate of job, the gate of position, of situation, I pray that the yoke of that gate will be broken so you can actually get inside the church where you can praise the Lord, where you can be what you never aspired to be. Today, my dear brothers and sisters, I bring you back to Jeremiah 29:11. God says, I know. God is the one speaking now. God says, I, God, I know. I know the plans that I have for you. If God says he knows, it means that you don't know. Even I, as your pastor, don't know. If it's a general knowledge, God will not be saying, I, God, I know. And then he says, I know the plans. What does he know? He knows the plans. A plan is not yet a reality. So if God knows the plans, why don't you wait for him to actually roll out those plans to to achieve them according to his own purpose? That was, you know, the the children's prayer. I was listening and I was just enthused. I I, 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 I praise the Lord for that. Yield is the why of the prayer. Why don't we allow God to do this? Even Jesus, when he was facing the most agonizing part of his ministry in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Yes, Lord, I, this thing, I can't bear it. I, I don't want it. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. My dear friends, today, in this country called America, It does not matter how bad the situation is. Our president, President Donald Trump, is currently in hospital. Have you actually thought of lifting him up with a word of prayer? I don't care what your political persuasion is. God says, pray for the authorities. God knows what to do with the authorities. God's not a politician. I does not really care about your politics. But he cares about your principles and your policies. How many times do we actually pray for Muhammadu Buhari? Whether we like it or not, he is still president of Nigeria. And his decisions will affect us one way or the other. Let's pray that God will empower, will give them the wisdom and the empowerment. Move out from the gate, get inside the church. Move out from the cripple, go up and leave. You, you need to be able to leap and run and walk and dance. Now, the Pharisees and the priests inside the church, inside the temple, may not be happy with you, but that's not your business. That's not your business. Your business is that you need to testify, this is what God has done for me. Amen. So today, let's bow our heads as we seek the Lord in prayer. What are those crippling situations in your life? At work? At home? that is keeping you at a gate where you are satisfied. You think you have occupied the best gate in the temple. Don't be satisfied with the gate. You need to be in the temple. You need to be inside. What are those situations people that are carrying you and putting you there every day? Remember, some people carried their relation and they took down a roof so that they can get the paralytic in the presence of Jesus. And the paralytic was healed. And Jesus said, I've never seen such a faith. But instead of carrying you in the presence of Jesus, people are carrying you and depositing you at the gate called beautiful. Get out of the gate. Get inside. Get inside the church. Get inside where you will find help. Grace to help in time of need. Shine your light, no matter how small it is. That's what we want to pray right now. We want to pray as we bow our heads wherever we are. Ask God. Sometimes we don't even know that we are sitting at any gate. Sometimes we we, we imagine that just because we are at the gate, we are in the church. Ask God to transport you, to translate you from the gate to the pew. From the gate to the altar where you can present your petitions before the throne room of heaven. What happened was that Peter brought the altar from there. Spiritually, he brought the altar from where it is and brought it to meet that man where he was. And his yoke was broken. His crippledness. The demon of crippleness was banished. And he was able to spring up. He did... Peter lent him a hand, and he jumped up. I pray that the altar will come from the throne room of heaven to meet you at your gate today, right now in your home. You are facing a divorce. May the altar from the throne room of grace come from the presence of the Almighty God and break the yoke of misunderstanding, the yoke of enmity between brothers and sisters, between husband and wife, between parents and children, between employers and you, the employee. I pray that the altar will move from the throne room of heaven before the presence of the almighty God and meet you where you are. Father in heaven, I raise up a hand of benediction at this time for your children. We are so happy and contented a lot of times simply because we are at the gate. And that gate is called beautiful. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, because we see so many people, we interact with a lot of people who are going inside and worshiping and leaving us at the gate. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, because you are also taking us away from those who are just contented to bring us to the gate rather than bringing us in the presence of Jesus. So this time, Father, for each and every one of your children under the sound of my voice today. As you have done for me, and as you keep doing for me day by day, I ask, Lord, that you will break the yoke. Father in heaven, that you will break the yoke. Eternal God, heavenly Jehovah, Jireh, you that can save, you that can give, you that can rescue, that you will break that yoke of crippledness, of handicap spiritual, financial, social, professional, whichever way, and that your children will be set free today so that they can leap and dance and praise and worship. That they can come into your presence and have a testimony that is larger than life. That your glory will shine to scatter their darkness. That your goodness to sh- will, will, will arise to shatter they are evil and that your life will come to shatter their death thank you father thank you son holy spirit in jesus name we have prayed amen amen yeah. Yeah.
2: you still heal the sick You You still raise the dead. You still do amazing things. Now you're away. Now you're away. You still hear our prayers. You still answer when we call. Always keep your promise. Now you're Now you're weak. Now you're We yeah. used to bear our yeah. bodies, used to catch us when we fall.